Crypto for planners. Crypto for planners. You are now tuned in to Crypto for Planners. All financial advisors are welcome to Crypto for Planners. Crypto for Planners. Hey, this is Adam Blumberg. Welcome to the Crypto for Planners podcast, the only CFP that really matters. Today, we are joined by another member of a DeFi protocol, another one that I think is really important. So today, we're going to talk about Grow Protocol, that's G-R-O Protocol, with Joyce Chin. So hi, Joyce. How are you? Hey, Adam. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. So, so good to talk to you. We, we talked, I don't know, a couple months ago, and I've been keeping up with Grow and now uh, we're here talking, with, which I'm really happy about to talk to you about this, about your protocol. So I want you to, to first tell us, uh, this is where we get to go in the origin story, right? So you tell us what you do with Grow Protocol and kind of how you, you got here. What has what your uh, career been like so far, where you live, all those things, and how you got to this position at Grow Protocol. So go ahead, Joyce. All the good stuff. Great. Um, so hey, everyone. I'm Joyce with Grow and I would say that I wasn't quite born to be in DeFi, and I suppose no one ever did. But I did born with, my last name is means money in Chinese. So I guess that's what kind of bonded me with the industry somewhat, um, even back in traditional finance. Um, rewinding back a few years, I was working in management consulting across different industries and financial services being one of them. Back then, I was based in Hong Kong, and because of the city itself, it's also a lot of different financial services that are primarily our pipelines for projects, and that's how I got started. After going to graduate school, I decided that I really would love to go into more pioneering areas of finance, and originally, I started with alternative credit scoring, so essentially, how do you assign credit scores to people who do not have a credit history in the US? Having done a bit more on that about data analytics, machine learning, and then moving on, having gone across the pond, now I'm currently based in London and would love to then expand furthermore because London has lots of exciting startups. And that's when I bump into Grow, where it is first time ex expressing that, you know, there is something called DeFi. And I was very curious, how, what does it mean by decentralized finance? Everything I know about finance are centralized. You always have institutions behind them. So how does it work? And I think that is exactly how the conversation went forward and bringing me here today. Right now, I am working primarily on the partnership side, understanding how do we forge more partnerships within the DAO space or within DeFi, as well as going forward, looking more beyond that. Okay, so that's really interesting, Joyce, because as a lot of people, right, you came from the traditional finance side or some part of, of traditional finance. So I have a few questions there based on what you said. The first one will be, um, what is it? what has it been like and how has it been and what convinced you coming from very centralized finance? Like you said, there's institutions, there's banks, there's, there's governments, there's regulatory bodies, uh, there, there's other financial institutions. And making this transition into DeFi, what was it about it? Or what was the one thing or what were the several things that got you to one, understand how it works and two, believe that it will work, believe that it will continue to grow? Yeah, I would say there are two primary reasons. One is that I have had the fortune or misfortune of moving from 
Hong Kong to United States and then to United Kingdom. And all of these experiences have shown me that moving across different countries often means you lose all of the data you have built. And in US, credit history is very important. But for anyone who is new to the country, it's not very usual you can bring across your credit history with you. And that's when I realized lots of these different financial systems are quite close in, in a way that it is separate. So it's separate according to geography, according to borders. And that has fundamentally been a frustration, quite a frustrating factor, having to review your own history multiple times, trying to prove that you are someone who's credit worthy, who is trying to prove that, you know, you are a legitimate person that you could actually, you should be getting financial services. So I think that is one. And the second part being, so if that's a user side, then more from working inside the industry, I realized that many times we have to prove something is worth a business case. And we are not charities in traditional finance, so I understand that. But that also means people who don't have, who are not part of a large market, fundamentally got left out or deprioritized because there needs to be a large enough customer group for a bank to be willing to invest into you, to be willing to say, let's have a team together and build what you need. And because of that, I find the notion of decentralized finance very attractive because we are looking at anyone with solidity skills. You can build your own smart contract. You can build what you believe should work. And as long as there are people who will start using it and then eventually willing to pay for it, the startup cost is so much lower in this space that a lot more services can be unlocked. And that benefits everyone who might be similar background to me or fundamentally a lot of people who just don't get access to financial services that are only available in more developed markets. Okay, so uh, again, some of the things you're saying, I, I can't believe you're saying them because they, they, in my mind, hit exactly what I think about this, which is you've said things like the ability to port your credit history or your payment history or your employment history with you wherever you go in the world is really important. The ability to uh, give access to the financial system to anybody, not necessarily based on them being you know, a multimillionaire, but anyone can have access to the financial system are two of the, the main points that you saw that really attracted you to DeFi. Exactly. Is that right? Yep, exactly. Okay. So then knowing, knowing what you know about the traditional system and knowing where where DeFi wants to go and what an uphill battle it is fighting against those institutions and, and such. What makes you think that it'll actually work? Because there are a lot of people who go, well, that's, you know, it's not going to work. The, you know, we're used to dealing with banks or um, this is just about people trying to make money as fast as they can or something. What, what makes you think it'll actually work? I believe the frustration often drives people to seeking alternatives where a lot of times, a lot of, I mean, in the States, it takes three days for a transfer to get through. And then in some other countries, you realize that this may be the least of the problems you have to worry about. Once I was in working as an intern in Tunisia, back when I was in graduate school, doing a, fin a fintech startup, exactly. And I witnessed that in order to pay all of the employees, our startup my boss had to go to a bank, queue up for four hours, 
just so he could get withdraw the money in his own bank accounts in order to pay people. And guess what? The bank only opens for a really short period of time, like five hours a day. And he spent four hours there just to make sure he can pay his people. And a lot of these makes me realize the frustration to the existing financial institutions. Uh, I would say a nuisance in more developed markets, a great inconvenience to a lot of people who are more in emerging markets. And I believe that these pain points are not going away. These pain points are fundamentally driving disruption. We have already seen a lot of I mean, the web too. Say you have neobanks trying to get, why do we still have to go to the branch? Why can't we just do everything online? And all these are driven out by frustration of the current system. And I believe that with the current system, it's not just the financial services. It's also about sometimes the monetary system, countries with hyperinflation. All those are cater, all those are contributing to people believing they need an alternative, that the alternative isn't just a nice to have. It's almost something they require in order to live a reasonable life. So that is, in a way, driving my belief that this is a space we could explore because enough people want to make it successful. Okay, so uh, again, what's interesting is in, in all that explanation of, of one, what, what brought you here and what, what's interesting to you and what you think will make, it, uh, will make the, the system continue to go is none of that was about making a lot of money. Like none of it was we want to make 100% on our money or we want, you know, that, that 100x token or something. It was all about increasing no. participation and giving more access and giving more portability, which I think is interesting. So with that, uh, can you tell us a little bit about Grow Protocol? Because that's, you know, that, that's what you're working on now. That's what you're a part of right now. So tell us a little bit about the protocol that you're a part of. Absolutely. Grow Protocol is a stable coin protocol it makes it easy for everyone to earn stablecoin yields. And let's break it down bit by bit. Why is it, what exactly does it mean to earn stablecoin yields? In decentralized finance, a lot of times you would be able to, if you hold certain stablecoins, you can put them into liquidity pools. What is liquidity pool? It's really a place for various different tokens that coexist together in order to facilitate people to trade one for another. And a lot of times, in order to attract liquidity, the incentives come through from trading fees. The more people trade, the higher they charge a fee and the higher people providing liquidity would get. On top of this, you would also be getting governance token incentives. That is meaning that the platform that hosts these liquidity pools want you to go to their pools instead of someone else's. So they're giving you an incentive based on that. And these are fundamentally steps that would require any user wanting to tap into stablecoin yield need to do in order to get those yields, right? But they are very onerous. You will have to understand how to, well, how these protocols work, how these pools work, understanding the risk. And many of our users would believe are just not in the position to either judge them as they have better things to do with their life or simply that they are seeking for simplicity. Everyone would love to be, you know, having less trouble in order to get those yields. That's where Grow steps in, where we believe that if we can offer and simplify products where anyone could just have to choose, do you want more protection or do you want higher yield? And once you make that choice, you deposit, we take care of all of those steps I described for you. 
meaning that we help you do the due diligence of whether certain protocols are safe from security risk, meaning they are not likely to get hacked. Aside from that, understanding what are the yields that are out there in the markets, let us help you find yields that are healthy, sustainable, coming from trading fees, coming from those extra incentives by the platforms, for example. And then if, you know, sometimes these yields don't, are not fixed rates, they are not fixed income product. So they go through, they do vary quite a lot. And in that case, we help you rotate different strategies. So then at the end of the day, you don't have to keep checking in to make sure you're earning something. But instead, we are giving you a product that is helping itself, basically automating all the process we have talked about just now. And in return, you can sit back as a user and get your yields and not having to worry about that. Okay. Can you uh, talk a little bit more about where those yields come from? Mm-hmm. Of course. So right now there are yields coming through from, I would say, two sources. So the first one would be what I described just now in the liquidity pools. Once, say, you deposit USDC into a pool and then they will say, OK, anyone who is trading with USDC, they are going to give you 0.3% as trading fees, thanking you for facilitating those transactions. The second part and then to build on top uh, that trading fees will be platform incentives. Then the second part will be lending and borrowing. Primarily in our space, we dabbled in the lending part because lending to people because they need more liquidity, maybe because they find better ways to earn yield, maybe because they need that for transactions. So by lending, we are also seeing another source of income for our users as well. I think those are the primary two ways for anyone holding stable coins today to earn yield. Okay, so I know that that because I've looked at the at, at Grow Protocol, so I know you have two different, basically two different products, right? Two different ways to earn yield. So, uh, talk about that for just a second and how you separate those two. Sounds great. We basically look into what is your appetite for risk, and for a lot of people, if you are thinking about there is this money, I'm hoping to use it. For savings down the line, I want to pay my down payments. You probably don't want to take too much risk. And that's why we have a product that is protected from protocol failures, meaning that if the underlying protocol where you earn those yields are getting smart contract exploitation, we would make sure that it is being protected or better words thing is that it's being shielded from any one single point of failure. In other words, um, we are providing you with something that is generating better yield than what your bank would offer, but fundamentally is not taking up too much risk. Now, the risk does not just disappear. They go somewhere else. That's where the second product comes in. In return for protecting the first product, it would get part of the yields generated from the first product in return. So then, in a way, they are providing a surface of protection and in return getting some more yields out of that. That is why they are both quite symbiotic because one has to exist with another and the underlying mechanism we are using is risk tranching. Okay, so the the risk you're talking about uh, primarily, correct me if I'm wrong, is like smart contract risk, right? So the risk of exploit and hack and such like and those kinds of things, is that correct? That would be one of them and that does come sometimes as you read the news, there are the 
they do happen. They are not exactly once in a blue moon. So it makes sense for people to worry about them. A second one that we find to be concerning for some people is that stable coins are not, some of them are fairly stable. You always see them at one to one US dollars. But at certain circumstances, they could get unpacked, as in the underlying collateral may not be enough to maintain the pack. And that's the case where people worry, what if they lose pack? What if they become one to half a US dollar? And that is also the risk that we are hoping to shield our users from if they seek for the protection. Now, that one, arguably, it is depending on whether it's centralized or decentralized, there could be understandably different risk level. In the more decentralized stable coins, much of the time you see they're being over collateralized. So why is there such a risk? The risk comes from the collateral isn't being held by what we usually think of as cash equivalents. Rather, they could be something, or yeast could be cash equivalents if you can, because it's very liquid, but fundamentally they have price fluctuations. So when certain price, the excess prices change, you could say the collateralization level suddenly drops. And if it drops enough, then there is a risk of the stable coin not being, having enough collateral to pack one to one. So those would be some of the risks that people could be aware of and worried about. And that's why we have powered stable coin to show them against those from. Got it. Okay. So if I'm the investor and I want to earn uh, obviously a, a lower lower of the two interest rate, but I want to be shielded from from most of those risks. I can get the I can get the lower payout, the lower reward, because I'm taking almost none of the, that risk. Whereas if I'm willing to take on some of that risk, if I've evaluated it and I say, look, I'm I'm going to take on some of that risk, if there is a breach or an exploit, or if the stablecoin peg gets gets hammered because you know the price of the underlying collateral drops, then I'm the first line of defense and, and some of my funds are, are going to be lost because of it. But because of that, I get a higher return. Is that accurate? So I, I, as the investor, get to choose. Exactly. The choice is with your hands and depending on, and perhaps you want to say, it's not just about the individual, right? It's also about whether the sum of money, what is the use of it? Are you thinking in the long term about growing that or is that you're happy for it to stay there for the long term, getting more and more, um, because in the long term, arguably, right? Uh, because we have a diversified portfolio, it's not like it would get completely wiped out. Chances are it would, you would suffer a loss if you choose the higher risk product and the risk does materialize. Um, but then in the long term, you can grow that back. But a lot of people wouldn't want that risk. And if for you, that amount of money turns out to be supporting something, other goals you have in mind, then perhaps it's better off looking for the lower risk option. Or I guess you can choose to split it up, right? If you wanted yeah, to. Exactly. Right. Okay. So that's that's pretty cool. So in the in, in most of DeFi it seems like I can put my money into several different yield generation um, mechanisms, right? Which could be liquidity pools, it could be it could be lending. Uh, it could be any uh, number of things. And then I might have to choose to go buy something like smart contract cover to, to cover that. And what you're saying is now what you've what you've essentially done is is that second or that higher risk tranche takes on that smart contract cover. So you, you kind of bundled all that in one product. That's right. Right. Yeah. So you, you have it all within the same protocol. So that's really interesting. It takes some of the steps out of it. 
right? And take some mm-hmm. of the thought process out of it from my mind. If I'm the investor, I don't have to think as hard about it. I either, I either don't have any of that risk and I get the lower return or I'm willing to take on that risk. And because of that, I get the higher return, right? Equivalent exactly. of like, if I were, if I were to participate in the actual staking pools of smart contract cover, I'm taking on more risk. Absolutely. I think it is important for people to understand that um, the risk does exist. Um, There are a lot of very attractive APYs out there, but fundamentally uh, what we are hoping to do is to provide sustainable, healthy yields. So they won't be the highest headline rates you see out there, but then it is being thoughtfully considered what are the strategies that would fundamentally give you yield without taking as as much risk as you would from some other protocols. Now, I totally believe that everyone could make their own choice, and that is the beauty of being a permissionless network. The reason we do that is simply to make it easier, as you said, reducing the thought process, making it easier for anyone who said, I'm new to this space, I would really love to get in, but I'm a bit uncertain and uneasy about the risk because I don't fully understand those risks yet. I think that could be a way for people to get started. Or conversely, if you felt like, I understand the risk perfectly, I just, I'm just too busy to manage any of that, that could also be a really good way for you to manage your holding without worrying too much about you know, putting in too much time and worry too much about that. Okay, so again, interesting because so much of DeFi up to this point has been, or so much of crypto overall in DeFi has been about these wild yield and growth and everything. And so now what you're saying is, okay, we're, we're going to take all this DeFi that's been built, and now we're going to give a, a product that has a relatively low return compared to what everyone else is expecting in crypto. So wh- where, do you see, where do you and Grow see the use cases? Obviously not just for Grow Protocol, but there are other uh, protocols or other ways for people to earn um, you know, earn on their stable coins, which is not wildly risky. So where do you see the, the use cases specifically for, you know, for grow protocol or for something like this? I think the use cases comes into the more retail side. Uh, we have covered people who are new to DeFi, who are still on the learning curve, people who are fundamentally looking for a place to park their stable coins. And those people also could be very actively looking to have a stable coin stack somewhere, earning yield, maybe a bit lower, but they can use that to time the market. A few weeks ago, the market unfortunately went down substantially. And for anyone who is holding ETH at that point, you're probably worried about, oh gosh, my my portfolio simply just went down by that much percentage. But if you have a bit more allocated to stable coins, then I believe it would actually turn out not to be a bad time to perhaps, you know, enter the market. So I think there is, it plays a part of helping everyone think about how do you balance your portfolio without feeling I am just having zero yield? Because having zero yield, I could understand, it is a psychological barrier that's hard to cross when you see all the numbers around you. But I hope that with this, uh, we can see, get more people feel comfortable thinking, more smartly about the portfolio. And on the institutional side, I would also say we have come across a lot of down treasuries. They have been sitting on tens or even hundreds of millions of stable coin. And a lot of people are worried because it is the DAO's money. 
they don't want to risk too much around it. What if you know they go into the higher risk protocols and lost a substantial part? So for these type of scenarios, we see the use case being simply giving you a way again to earn single digit yield, but with protection, so that it is being generating something that could help afford the day to day expenses for the Dow without putting your capital at too much risk. Okay. Yeah, I I see so many. Um, I mean, I see so many use cases for it. Obviously, for institutions, like institutions, a lot of times have to keep a lot of cash on hand, either because they need to invest it, or I see it. You know, eventually, if people are using this as their bank, as as you alluded to when you were in Tunisia, and the and the the business owner had to go to the bank and wait four hours to get money, they have to have cash to pay people, and you can't pay people with ETH or Bitcoin. You know, as much as people think, because you can't handle because people don't want to take on that volatility when it comes to their paycheck. So nor do business owners want to take on that volatility of holding it on their books. Right. You're they're going to hold stable coins. They're going to want to earn something on them. They uh, and and they they want to earn, obviously, more than they can in the bank. So I see the use cases there. You mentioned treasuries, uh, you know, Dow treasuries. I think Dow treasuries will transition into company treasuries where I see it also. Well, and because of that, you're going to have accountants, financial advisors, all that who are going to have to be able to know about these protocols to, to tell their clients, look, we need to go into into cash, which is essentially a stable coin, USDC or something. While you're in there, we can I, we can earn, you know, two and a half percent, two point eight percent on some of it, six point eight percent on other if they're if we're willing to take on just a little bit of risk, but we're not taking on volatility risk, right? We're taking on just right. basically smart contract risk and and you know currency peg risk and that kind of thing. Um, so I see that as a huge need for financial advisors and accountants and, and lawyers to be able to to understand it as they advise clients more. And as I think about it in terms of overall portfolios, whether it's my investment or my business's investment or something, it's the, the need at some point to be in cash, to be in something that doesn't have that volatility, either because I want to be able to invest when, you know, when the market comes down, I want a dollar cost average. I just want to earn yield. And I might go, look, I can, uh, I always need to have cash around. It's my emergency fund. But here in the US, I'm lucky. Where you are in the UK, you're kind of lucky. Like you, you can kind of count on the banking system to have your money there when you need it. Other countries, they can't. But if they want to hold something stable, for, for some time because they have to use it to pay bills, then they they need to be they need to be able to hold that USDC or hold that stable coin and it would be nice to earn some yield on it and this is a way they could do it. So I could see it being a such an important part of portfolios. Um, well, again, whether it's a business owning it in their treasury or it's me owning it in my personal portfolio because that's how we hold our cash and because I know I have to pay my bills this month. I need to make sure I have a couple months worth of emergency fund and I'm going to hold it in USDC earning anywhere from two to 6% instead of holding it in my bank account. Very much so. And I would say it is helping us to not having to either forgo liquidity for yield or the other way around. And really hoping that, again, this is helping people to use this, use stable coins more often as or cryptocurrency in general, as you said, because um, they don't have to always equate cryptocurrency with being volatile, with being the risk about what if the price drops by half in a few months' time. So I'm really hoping that having building around the stablecoin ecosystem 
helps more people adopt cryptocurrency as a whole because they would be able to really treat that as almost like a savings account and a savings account where, as you said, if you need the money, you can use them. But then otherwise, it is sitting there helping you generate more yield because then, again, interest rate, important to make sure we are start savings and um, creating more wealth in an early age. I'm saying that I think like more to uh, my younger self. I wish that when I when I was younger, I already have more stable coin and then starting building uh, wealth from there on. <laughs> Exactly. So let me ask you this. What, where do you see, what do you see happening in the future of, of Grow Protocol? And some of this is where you can tell us kind of what's on the horizon, what's on your, your roadmap. Um, of course, don't share anything if you're not allowed to share, but we'd lo- I, I'd love to hear what else is on the, the horizon uh, for, for you all. I think there are fundamentally three things we want to do. And or the overall umbrella is how do we get people to create and share wealth more easily? And first of all, we understand lots of people are seeking ways to create more wealth and they are looking for strategies that offer a higher yield and they are happy to take on more risk. In which case we have launched a product that is providing an automated leverage yield farming. I know that's a lot of, a lot of technical words. What it really means is that when you actually deposit the stable coins, instead of them going to be lending out or being put into those liquidity pools I described to facilitate trading, you would actually use that. We will help you use that amount of money to borrow a volatile asset. In our case, that will be AFEX as we launched that on Avalanche. So AFEX is their equivalent of ETH on Ethereum mainnet. And where that happens is you have now the equal value of stablecoin and AFAS, and we put that back into those liquidity pools to facilitate trading and also earning more governance token rewards. And because that involves borrowing, I would say this is a level higher risk than the others, but in return, you will also get much more handsome rewards where it could go to even mid double digit uh, rewards on an uh, annualized level. So that's definitely something exciting. And I think a lot of people, if they are comfortable with taking some more risk, but then those risks we are managing through automation. So it would be something that could be interesting for those more risk-seeking individuals. And in other side, we also understand lots of these things we talk about. Yields are fundamentally, it only makes sense if you can earn them for real, not like you have to spend all of them on transaction costs. So the second thing we are hoping to do is going more multi-chain, especially where we find the transaction cost to be lower, as we want to make sure that not only those people with a substantial wealth could benefit from this system, but also everyone, our friends, our family, people who don't have a very large portfolio can earn those yields and not have to just you know go the other side and then pay them all out in transaction costs. So that's the second one. The third one is going even one step further and ask ourselves, what are things that stop people from getting into decentralized finance today? Some people, for some people, it's the product complexity. For some others, it could be maybe the wallets are just being too clunky to use, or they're not feeling comfortable about having to keep their seat phrase. Are there other ways we can look into wallets? Are there other ways we can look into how to discover what are the right depths to use? 
Um, so we are still doing a bit more of an exploration at this point, but our motivation is to think through how do we really take ourselves forward and help our users into getting getting into decentralized finance. So finding more pain points to solve. Okay, I, I love that because it's more about getting more people involved, which is where we started our conversation, which is where you got into understanding and really enjoying um, being a part of decentralized finance, which is greater participation, um, more safety and security around money for more people around the world, um, more, you know, kind of openness, more portability. And so now what you're talking about is taking this, this protocol, taking the, the abilities that decentralized finance has given us to not only earn more yield, but, but to basically disintermediate and have everyone be a part of the financial system, not everyone use a financial system that the banks and, and governments have created for us, but everyone be a part of it. And now you're saying, okay, we, we, we've started at this small at this small point to get people in and make it a little bit easier. Now we want to step forward to one, you know, increase yields a little bit, which is where, where you said, you know, uh, using some of the funds to buy AVAX tokens and put those into a liquidity pool with a stable coin. And then, make it obviously less expensive to use where you, you go on a different change. Are you going into any of the, uh, the, the roll-ups or the, the layer twos, or are you just looking at, at other chains like Avalanche? Um, we're doing both. So the Avalanche side, we have that on Labs, the product that you just mentioned. And in terms of the roll-ups, we are partnering with Argent, and they have recently moved on to ZK Sync where the transaction cost is truly a fraction of what it would have been on mainnet for Ethereum. So right now we have the higher risk product available uh, for available on Argent Psyche Sync, ideally making it easier for everyone to get into the space. Going forward, we have got a lot more different inputs about where to go. Fundamentally, we believe in a world where we have different chains could be good, great for different use cases. And we are hoping to get more community inputs from the DAO and then also from our partners to see where we can take us. But yeah, long story short, definitely looking to branch out in order to make it more accessible to everyone. Right. And, and the last part that, that you mentioned was making it more accessible, making it easier, making it safer. And that's where you all are already part of Argent, which we know is the, is the one wallet that has a social recovery feature. People don't really have to worry about their seed phrase or, or their private key quite as much, which takes away some of that personal risk, that risk that, that DeFi and crypto overall has put onto individuals to say, you better hold on to your seed phrase or you're going to lose your crypto. And Argent has kind of taken away some of that. And so you all already being a part of Argent, plus being a part of, of Argent with ZK Sync. So you're already there. You're already on a roll up, so less expensive. So it's interesting because now you're we're taking DeFi and it's gone from through this peak of extreme yield farming and liquidity mining through kind of this NFT phase that we're still kind of in, but coming down from back to um, more usefulness, more openness, you know, more, more participation, but now the idea of saying, okay, here's what we've built. Let's figure out how people can actually use it more. More people can use it, making it safer, making it to where you don't have to have a technology background to have access to your money and to keep your money safe. Yeah, exactly. And we're really excited to see more people being able to get into this field as definitely as users. And also, we also see more and more people joining in as contributors. 
as we are looking at many people being users themselves, benefited from the system and keen to really contribute to this. So the beautiful thing, I think, also a little bit different from more centralized system we have in the traditional scene is a lot of users are themselves also helping create and then improving what we are offering. I think this is a cycle that we will see driving more and more people to building things that they themselves would love to use and something that I'm personally very excited about. All right. Well, I am uh, personally excited about it as well. Um, and as I've um, gotten excited about protocols like this, because again, as we talk to financial advisors and, and accountants and try to help them understand it, uh, it takes the the conversation away from purely trying to get it, make as much money as you can on every single investment to I can keep my money safe. I can increase participation. And, and quite honestly, Joyce, it also um, the ability to have more participation all over the world actually keeps the whole system safer, right? It means you don't have a few whales with their money in some of these protocols. It, if more people are participating, it keeps the whole thing safer. It keeps the yield safer. I mean, that, that's, that's really what we're doing here is trying to get more people involved and therefore keeps the whole system moving. Absolutely. And would love to also be able to be in a place where as long as people can find this easy to assess either in terms of technology, in terms of your transaction costs, and also regardless of the geography, really excited to see more people find being able to build up their personal um, safety net, being able to make sure they can afford any unexpected expenses. And all those things, I still believe that is why the, what the financial services or financial system can be and hoping that DeFi would definitely go into that direction. All right. I, I agree. Joyce, thank you so much for, for being a part of this. So how do we, how do we learn more about Grow Protocol? Um, if you love to learn more about Grow, definitely come over to our website, www.grow.xyz. Alternatively, you can also join us on Twitter. If you enjoy, if you have been living on Twitter, that might be the most natural place to, grow, to go. And that will be at Grow Protocol. Um, finally, also welcome to join us on Discord if you'd like to chat more and learn more about this. We would have a lot of different medium articles or documentation for those who love to go deeper to read. But perhaps that can be um, one step further. Once you're further down the rabbit hole, we'll definitely introduce you to those. Right. And, and those of you that are uh, certified digital asset advisors that have gone through our course uh, and, and have that designation, uh, you'll probably be able to, to read the documentation and really understand what they're doing and, and get pretty excited about it. Because I know that when we teach the course and we start talking DeFi is when financial advisors get really excited. So for advisors, you, you know, we, we've talked about how hard it can be to identify all those protocols and figure out where you want to go for your clients. Uh, and this is a way where Grow Protocol has kind of said, look, we'll take a lot of that on for you. And you just have to get some stable coins, deposit in our protocol, and we'll take care of a, a lot of the heavy lifting for you. So, uh, and, and you'll be able, you, if you're a CDAA, will be able to read the documentation and totally understand what, what it means and, and what it's doing. Um, so thank you again, Joyce. We appreciate your being here. Uh, appreciate your talking about grow and, and, and especially about DeFi and how it can, um, how it can increase participation, how it can help people with their stable coin yields, all of those things that, that we love talking about. So thank you for being here. Thank um, you so much for having me, Adam. 
Yeah, and, and good luck. So for everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us, to, for listening to the Crypto for Planners podcast put on by PlannerDAO. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, in the near future, remember April 25th and 26th in Kansas City, we're going to have the Crypto for Planners conference that we're calling The Crossroads 2022. It's where if you're a financial advisor, a financial planner, an accountant, uh, an attorney, and you want to make crypto a part of your practice at all in the next year, we're going to have workshops. We're going to have you, uh, you know, roll up your sleeves, open up your laptops and learn about how the, all these systems work so that you can actually leave there making this a part of your practice in the very near future. So we hope you'll join us there. Thank you again for listening to the Crypto for Planners podcast, the only CFP that matters.